engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Good evening. I am live from Nashville. I'm broadcasting from the Southern Baptist headquarters, this Presbyterian infiltrated. Welcome. It is nine after the hour. Eric Erickson here. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800-WSB-TALK. Real quick, before I get into the news of the day... If you're headed up 75 to the 575 split, there's a very heavy line of showers moving through Kennesaw right now, stretching out towards Woodstock and Roswell. This is a line that runs diagonally, really, um, from the northeast to the southwest uh, across I-20 and Bremen. Carrollton's going to be hit here very hard uh, with some heavy rain. In the next 15, 20 minutes, Douglasville, Austell, Smyrna, you are all in the path of this storm that's about to come through. But beyond that radar, it's just this one band coming through is going to be clear. Uh, south side of the city, get down just south of Griffin, and you're also going to hit rain. Um, but there really isn't a whole lot left. There's more northwest uh, of us coming through. Now, we need to get into the impact of the tax bill on Georgians and everyone else nationwide. It is a pretty substantial, dour picture I have to paint for you this afternoon as Republicans rally at the White House over this bill. Y'all, we are, y'all, we're a week past net neutrality being repealed. And now we have tax reform passed. And it is as awful as the Democrats said it was going to be. For example, AT&T. They're going to give $1,000 bonuses to 200,000 people. $1,000 bonuses for Christmas to 200,000 people because of the tax plan passing. Boeing is going to increase salaries of its employees and increase its charitable giving as well. I mean, that, that, that's an absolute disaster on top of net neutrality being repealed. This is a disaster. I know it sounds like it's a good thing, but clearly this is a disaster that the Democrats have been warning us about. And and it it gets even worse. It, it, it late, late breaking news in the last... I don't know if I should tell you guys this. Because this, this is pretty awful. I mean, th- this this is the, the icing on the poop sandwich. Fifth Third Bank Corp. First of all, can we just say there's a bank in this country named Fifth Third Bank Corp? It's not a third fifth, ba- a three fifth bank. Corp. No, it's Fifth Third Bank Corp. They're going to pay bonuses to thirteen thousand five hundred people, and and because of the tax reform package, they're going to raise the minimum wage at Fifth Third Bank Corp to fifteen dollars an hour. Fifth. $15 an hour. And Wells Fargo, Wells Fargo said it would target $400 million in donations to community and nonprofit organizations next year, and it's going to raise its minimum wage to $15 an hour. Doom. This is, this is the destruction of the United States of America as we know about. Nancy Pelosi was right. She warned us terrible things would happen. How dare these massive corporations increase the minimum wage because they've got more money in their pockets because of a tax a tax decrease? How dare they pay their employees? You know what they're doing? Do you know what AT&T is doing? AT&T, by giving its employees bonuses and increasing salaries, they're creating a new class of rich people in this country. And the more rich people we have, the worse it's going to be. I mean, how how dare they pay their employees more? 
This is all net neutrality's fault and tax reform. It is net neutrality and tax reform. They are ruining the country. They are allowing corporations to give pay increases to their employees. How dare they do that? I mean, the Democrats told us it was going to be bad. I had no idea it was going to be that, that bad. I mean, this is, this is like Hollywood disaster proportions that many of you, well, 80% of you, We'll see a significant tax, according to the New York Times, the New York Times people. It is the New York Times saying this today. Only 5% of Americans will get a tax increase. 80% of Americans will get a significant decrease. And the other 15%, they'll get some decrease. Only 5% will see an increase. This is just, this is Donald Trump's America. It is exactly what we were told to expect by the Democrats. Y'all, um... I realize I'm being facetious here and a bit of humor, but this is what the Democrats have been complaining about for the year. They've been saying that the Republicans would only be helping the rich. No one else would benefit from these, this tax reduction plan. Uh, they have completely misrepresented it and distorted it. This afternoon, you had liberals attacking Tim Scott as an Uncle Tom by being the only black man at the White House, uh, given that he had helped usher through the tax reform plan. They have lost their minds on tax reform. Let me again uh, give you the numbers, and these are, these are not from conservative think tanks. These are from the New York Times. Eight in ten Americans will receive a significant tax deduction. Eighty percent. 15% of Americans will receive only a minor tax cut or no deduction or increase. 5% of Americans will experience a tax increase. Now, who are the 5%? The 5% of people who will receive tax increases are rich people who own mansions in San Francisco, New York, parts of Connecticut, who have multi-million dollar mortgages. Those people will receive a tax increase. And what will that tax increase be? It won't actually be a federal tax increase. It will be, we are no longer subsidizing their state taxes. And you know, that's an interesting point that needs to be made here that never really gets brought up given the SALT deduction and the controversy thereof. Democrats like to run around the country and say that Republicans are being subsidized by the federal government. Red states get all of the welfare benefits and they need to cut all the welfare benefits to, to red states because they're voting against their own interests. You, you know what's actually happening here in the blue states is the rest of us are subsidizing their high tax states, their high tax and spend states through the SALT deduction by not making them have to pay the have to by allowing them to deduct their costs of state and local property and state income taxes in their states we are essentially subsidizing their existence in those blue states that's exactly what this is now there have been several periods in this country's modern history where we have been able to close the income inequality gap each of those times has been a restructuring of the tax code in corporate favor. Ronald Reagan in the 1980s, George W. Bush in 2001, and this. Because it turns out if you do a corporate tax cut, those corporations will pay their employees more. And it will benefit their shareholders, many of whom are retirees, 
with mutual funds? The left has been painting a doom and gloom picture for the entire year. In the run-up to this tax plan, they've been absolutely hysterical with what was going to happen. And what is actually happening? 200,000 employees at AT&T are getting bonuses. All the employees are getting pay raises. Boeing is going to increase pay for its employees. Eight in 10 Americans are going to get a significant tax cut. And two of the big banks in the country are going to raise their minimum wage to $15 an hour and increase their charitable giving to nonprofit civic organizations and local communities that feed the homeless and the poor. Turns out, private enterprise does a really good job of managing its money. In fact, I dare say private enterprise does better than government. And we should remember this next time when the Democrats are hysterical and recycle their own arguments again and again and again. We'll be back. It's 25 after the hour. I'm Eric Erickson. This is WSB. Don't forget you can go to the resurgent.com. You can get the daily podcast by texting the word show to 444999. And I hope you will text the word show to 444999 because I will be releasing the Christmas podcast. And for those of you traveling over the weekend, missing it on WSB, I hope you'll give it give the opportunity to listen. We'll be playing a number of um, local Georgia groups, Georgia churches have submitted some music, excited to play these various groups as part of the Christmas program. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution ran an article online earlier today that really made me angry. And it's not the AJC that made me angry. It is the FDA. Y'all, the FDA does not want us to eat cookie dough. Raw cookie dough. If you eat cookie dough, they say, buy it at the store, buy buy the stuff from the store, because you know you may get E. coli from raw flour, and you get E. coli from raw flour. It's bad news. You're thinking salmonella in the eggs, but you got to think about the E. coli. Every time we try to have fun in the holiday season, they try to make it more difficult for us. I will not not eat raw flour, or rather raw dough. I mean, one of the great joys in life is cookie dough and cake batter. We can't forget the cake batter. When I make the pound cake for the kids that has the almond flavoring in it and the egg whites, the sour cream pound cake, and you beat in the egg whites and you get it super fluffy and it is some great tasting dough. My kids would rather eat the dough than eat the actual baked item. And I totally agree with them. But the FDA, that they're warning you, nanny status, you might get you might get E. coli. Look, I get it. We're going to die sometime, aren't we? Might as well die blissfully eating raw cookie dough. I mean, that's my thinking, particularly with chocolate chips, milk chocolate too. Uh, listen, I realize that dark chocolate is heart healthy. And a bunch of people who don't drink wine, Baptists, decided that they will go for the chocolate because they're not going for the wine, Baptists. And I get it, but I'm just not down with dark chocolate. I mean, there's some dark chocolate that is totally okay, but I'm just, I'm more the milk chocolate guy because I actually want chocolate to be sweet and delicious as opposed to just heart healthy. Nobody wants to eat healthy stuff. That's part of my problem. I realize that I'm a sizable fella because I just 
have a hard time giving up the pizza beer diet. But come on, eat the milk chocolate people in the raw cookie dough. It won't kill you, supposedly, but don't listen to me. I'm actually broadcasting out of Nashville today. Uh, my thanks to the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention letting me broadcast from their studio in downtown Nashville. I will be home tomorrow. Uh, I want to spend a few minutes here discussing the Plant Vogel decision. I talked a little bit about it yesterday. I had dinner last night with a friend of mine uh, in state office who expressed uh, largely what I said yesterday. Uh, the vote is going to be tomorrow in the Public Service Commission. And it's a pretty big deal, and it's going to have an impact on you one way or the other. Now, what is the impact? Well, here's the situation. Westinghouse, the big corporation Westinghouse, was to build Plant Vogel, the nuclear power plant. And Westinghouse has gone bankrupt. As a result, the costs to a, a plan in South Carolina and to Georgia Power here in Georgia are going to go over. And we're going to get to the point where it's already extremely uh, expensive to... Um, the, the situation here with Plant Vogel is if they do nothing, if they cancel the program because of the Westinghouse bankruptcy... Plant Vogel is at the point where if it is continued, it's never going to become profitable. The pre, it, was, it was going to be profitable, even if barely, under the old projections. With Westinghouse's bankruptcy and, and everything that's happened, it's probably not ever going to be profitable. And that, to you, will say, okay, we'll cancel the program. And in a normal world, in a normal economy, and in a normal situation, I would agree. But we're talking about a nuclear power plant that is not normal economic circumstances because you can't just sell a nuclear power plant. What you can do is tear it down and sell things for scrap, maybe 10 cents on the dollar. And in that situation, Georgia Power customers are going to see a rate increase. Probably a 6% rate increase is projected. Well, if they continue with Plant Vogel, you're probably going to see a 6% rate increase. One way or the other, you're going to see a rate increase. There's there's no way to avoid a rate increase now. And that's unfortunate. No one foresaw the Westinghouse situation coming. Uh, hindsight is 50-50. I didn't agree with them the way they wanted to structure Plant Vogel to begin with. Uh, but they did. They've proceeded. It's been being built. If they scrap the program now, we're getting nothing out of it. Uh, they're going to get very little out of the scrap. And we're all going to see a rate increase. I would rather, if we're going to see a rate increase, see power come from the plant. And so I, I think that I, I would not fault the Public Service Commission for going on and authorizing the continuation of the program so that we get something out of this instead of a, a just a, a big hulking mess that has to be sold for scrap. Because I continue to believe in nuclear power in this country and think that we need nuclear power to be power sufficient in this country and particularly with the rise of electric cars consuming so much more power, nuclear power is a good way to go. And I'd like to see Georgia trend and lead on that, but I accept that this is not a financially viable situation. It's just not either way. So at least if it continues, we'll get something out of it. 
There's an interesting contrast, by the way, with what's happening in France. I want to read you uh, what a friend of mine wrote. Uh, France is banning all oil and gas production by 2040. Contrary to what much of the much of the reporting on this, the French total ban on oil and gas extraction and exploration is not largely symbolic. France is estimated to possess the second largest expanse of recoverable shale in Europe after Poland. Energy that could make life in France and for the French less expensive, happier, healthier, more prosperous, and more free is going to stay locked up under the earth for no purpose. It was already out of reach thanks to a fracking ban, now permanently so even with other technologies coming on. The prices paid in daily lives made more difficult. Family expenses like food and heat made more costly. And dreams deferred by the friction of a needlessly difficult and costly day-to-day existence. The aspirations of progressive elites somehow always carry a cost paid by others, ordinary people of ordinary means. But there's something else to this, wholly familiar to observers of French policy in nearly any area, in nearly any era, on nearly any topic. Beneath the self-congratulation their hypocrisy. The sacred soil of France will no longer endure the putative indignities of energy extraction, but French firms around the world, in its less glamorous corners, will continue to work, to explore, to extract, and to reap profits from it all. If President Macron of France and his colleagues were serious, they would stop all of that, but they're not stopping all that. They want the appearance of virtue by the lights of elite opinion, and they also want the money. This is very much what the left tends to do in the world. They make a big show of things in public, and and privately, they're lacking all the virtues they claim they possess and everyone else lacks. I mean, look at the Harvey Weinstein situation and and the the Hollywood sagas of abuse, covering abuse of others and whatnot. Look at Elon Musk and Tesla. Listen, I I, I don't deny, if you gave me a Tesla, I would love to have a Tesla. But it's also not the environmentally friendly car people make it out to be, given the the extraction of rare earth minerals to build the batteries, uh, given its energy consumption to charge it to, uh, dare I say, fuel it. Uh, What is fueling a Tesla? Fossil fuels, coal. And the left is opposed to power plants like Plant Vogel that would use nuclear power that would be far cleaner, far more sustained, but they don't like nuclear. They, They want wind and solar, which isn't really viable all the time. We'll be back. I didn't intend to stick with Plant Vogel, but I am just seeing on the AJC senators are beginning to lay the groundwork to aid Plant Vogel um, before the regulators meet tomorrow to decide its fate. Leaders of the Tax Writing Finance Committee unveiled legislation that would guarantee the project roughly $800 million in federal tax credits, money Vogel's operators have been counting on for their balance sheets. Uh, Johnny Isaacson thinks this is going to get passed. If it does, um, they will be financially viable if the PSC continues them. Uh, And so I would suspect that Congress making such a big deal about this, uh, the PSC probably will continue the project, uh, which will not be a bad thing for Vogel. When we come back, we got to get more into this Obama-Hezbollah story. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. It is 10 after the hour, 
610 in Atlanta, 510 where I am in Nashville. Welcome. Uh, the Obama story about Hezbollah and whatnot continues to um, gain traction and members of the media covering it. It's very interesting today to see Ben Rhodes of uh, creative writing degree fame, who was Barack Obama's uh, national security team's communications director, he is screaming foul, saying that this Politico story is made up, it's lies, it's fake news. Really, really funny, is it not, to watch Obama team members who have defending the who have been defending the American media against Donald Trump suddenly attacking the American media like Donald Trump. I mean, they were perfectly happy when the media was turning their attention towards Donald Trump, but they've got to defend the precious. And the precious and the precious legacy is being attacked now. His foreign policy, I have said, if you are a listener of this radio program since I started in 2011, you have heard me routinely say that one day there will be a reckoning for Barack Obama's foreign policy. And it seems like it's beginning to happen. And now they're screaming, trying to call it fake news. And what's so interesting about this, I think, is there aren't a lot of liberals stepping up to defend him. I want to read an excerpt from you. Or from those, this Politico thing, um, this was, it looks like October of 2010, that October, one of the, the bad guys, Asher, helped uncover, or no, one of the good guys, rather, Asher, helped uncover a plot by two Iranian agents and a Texas-based Iranian-American to hire Mexican cartel gunmen to assassinate Saudi Arabia's U.S. ambassador in a crowded Washington cafe. A month later, prosecutors indicted Juma, accusing him of working with Mexico's Zetas cartel and Colombian and Venezuelan suppliers to smuggle 85 tons of cocaine into the U.S. and laundering $850 million in drug proceeds. Agents discovered an entire Quds force network, that's a terrorist network in the United States, laundering money, moving drugs, and illegally smuggling Bell helicopters, night vision goggles, and other items for Iran. By the end of 2012, senior officials at the Justice Department's National Security and Criminal Divisions and at the State Department and National Security Council had shut down, derailed, or delayed numerous other Hezbollah-related cases with little or no explanation. They shut them down. Do you see what was happening here? The Obama administration was desperate for a deal with Iran for legacy-building purposes. And so they had to shut down a successful operation that was shutting down drugs being infiltrated into the United States to prop up a terrorist organization. So here's the situation with uh, the Obama administration. They were desperate for a deal with Iran. It was a legacy-building exercise. They didn't need the deal, but they wanted the deal to secure Barack Obama's place in history beyond Obamacare. See, he had a big domestic policy win, but they couldn't settle for that. They had to also have a big international win. He couldn't get a climate change treaty through Congress, so that wouldn't work, so he had to do something, so he decided he would do a deal with Iran. Remember, Barack Obama decided um, that the world order created after World War II was created by a bunch of colonial white colonialist white guys. And so as a result, he wanted to upend that new world order uh, to something different. 
And he was willing to work with our enemies and prove that our enemies really weren't the bad guys we thought they were. We needed to be more open-minded. Iran being first and foremost among them. He wanted, he said, to stop Iran from getting nuclear weapons at the time. Remember, it was all about stopping Iran's nuclear program. And now it wasn't about stopping his program. Now they're revising it and saying, well, it was just about stopping it for a decade. By the way, British and American intelligence has confirmed that North Korea has been using Iranian missile technology to build its nuclear weapons. So it's not that Iran has stopped its nuclear program, it's that they've outported, out-exported their nuclear program to North Korea. Outsourced, that's the word I was thinking of. And in the meanwhile, Hezbollah was, I read this again, laundering money in the United States, moving drugs and illegally smuggling Bell helicopters, night vision goggles, and other items for Iran. And the Obama administration shut down the investigation and operation that was targeting Hezbollah because they didn't want to upset their deal-making with Iran. I will say again, and this makes a lot of people mad when I say it, and I get lots of hate mail and hate tweets. But I do not think that we have fully yet been put in a position where we can calculate the number of people worldwide who will die because of Barack Obama's failures on the foreign policy front. They can say, but Trump, all they want. But Trump did not coddle North Koreans, turn a blind eye to Hezbollah, and try to get a deal with Iran that still lets them get nuclear weapons. We'll be back. Folks, Alaska is snowing. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, hmm, it's wintertime. Tomorrow, the darkest day of the year. In most of Alaska, it will be pitch black 24 hours. Hmm, maybe. Maybe, just maybe, it's snowing in Alaska because it's winter. Now, I know you might think that, but you're a denier. You're a hater. You may even be a bigot. Because science says it's global warming. That's right. According to the scientists, in a scientific publication filled with a bunch of pro-climate change advocates, the warming of the tropical waters of the Pacific is causing it to snow in Alaska. It has nothing to do with winter. It has everything to do with climate change. Why? Because it's snowing more in Alaska than it should be snowing according to the scientists who told us that it would never snow again. I mean, that's the crazy thing here. You cannot, it is an unprovable assertion that climate change is happening, and it's a disprovable assertion because everything is climate change. If you go out and get a quarter pounder with cheese and inhale it down your throat and have to run to the bathroom afterwards, it's climate change. If you stick your head in the freezer... It's climate change. And if it snows in Alaska, it's climate change. And if it rains in Georgia, it's climate change. And if it doesn't rain in Georgia, 
It's climate change. But guess what? 2017 isn't going to be the hottest year on record. But they told us it was going to be. And now it's not because climate change. It's 39 after the hour. Eric Erickson here. Rain in the area. It's starting to clear out on the west side for now. More coming down out of Tennessee where I am in Nashville. I was going to drive home after the show, uh, but the rain in the mountains and fog is so bad. I'm just staying up here tonight and we'll drive back first thing in the morning. You keep hearing rumors about 20 to 30 members of Congress who are going to be accused of sexual harassment, sexual assault, whatnot. I should say 20 to 30 members and staffers combined. The rumor's been circulating now for several weeks that no one's come forward. My understanding is that reporters are digging into it. They're trying to be very, very careful. They're trying to get the documentation. Uh, and you got a bunch of reporters at different networks all working concurrently trying to beat each other. Uh, to get the story out. And I suspect Al Franken now saying he's going to leave January 2nd, waiting for his pension, no doubt, to vest. Um, and you got other other people wondering, Blake Farenthold from Texas, who isn't going to leave. He's just not going to seek re-election. Will they finally force him out? Uh, I am aware, based on a dinner meeting I had last night, uh, that a local media outlet here in Atlanta has sent letters to all of the female lobbyists registered to work in the state legislature here in Georgia. And the media publication has told all of the female lobbyists that they can contact the media outlet and it will guarantee them anonymity for the stories. And I have now heard that two lobbyists are willing to talk at least about members of the Georgia legislature. You know, I'm up here in Tennessee. We were talking about this at, at the luncheon I went to today, and, and uh, there are probably going to be some members in the Tennessee legislature. The Texas legislature there is being exposed. Congress is going to be exposed. Al Franken kind of has to leave because if he didn't leave, he would provide an excuse for a bunch of Republicans who may be accused to stay. But here's the thing, the story may not come out. You know, I have been around in politics now for a long time. And there have been rumors that have dogged people in politics for a very long time about sexual indiscretion. And in the overwhelming number of cases... There's never actually a story that comes out. The rumor plagues them for their entire career. In some cases, the rumor is shadows over their career. And there are sometimes, there are some cases where, in fact, um, it eventually happens. They are eventually exposed. Roy Moore is actually an example of that. There have been allegations against Roy Moore, and I realize you here in Georgia, and I didn't even know, honestly. I had no idea. But in Alabama, among reporters for two decades, there have been reports of Roy Moore and teenage girls. And the 14-year-old, uh, who's now grown up, has come forward in the past, but was never willing to go public with her story. She would confirm it privately to reporters as she did this time and say, if others come forward, I'll come forward, but I'm not coming forward on my own. 
this year others did. But the rumors, I've talked now to, to a couple of, of long-time veteran Alabama reporters who say this story has been out there for years and reporters have tried and tried and tried to bring it out before now. It was only this year that it came forward and it really only came forward with the Weinstein stuff and other stuff um, propelling it on. And there are rumors about politicians in Georgia. There are rumors about politicians all over the country. And sometimes they don't bear out. Sometimes they are malicious gossip. Uh, that's, that is the reason for the Pence rule, actually. It had nothing to do with uh, sexual assault, sexual harassment. It had to do with avoiding putting Mike Pence and any of his female staffers inside the Washington rumor mill where there are women who will sleep with bosses to get ahead. And Pence wanted no part of it. And he didn't want the reputation of the women who worked in his office hurt either. Pence has never been in that rumor mill because of his self-control and, and willingness to use the Pence rule, even though others clearly hate it and believe he's putting women at a disadvantage. No woman who's ever worked for him has ever felt disadvantaged. But we'll see if the rumors bear out. I hear, though, and I hear from the reporters who are working on the stories, I should note, that names are about to come out. We'll see. Don't hold your breath, but the reporters are working diligently for major publications. Now, I'm just, I, well, I'm not going to say any more of this. We'll see how the story plays out. I will say, though, that if these stories do start trickling out, the generic ballot numbers are very, very bad for the GOP right now. When Republicans, let me just give you historic perspective here. In, two, in 1994, Republicans got to 10% on the generic ballot. And keep in mind, the generic ballot of registered voters tends to lean Democrat. And when Republicans got to 10% on the generic ballot, Democrats knew they were in trouble in 1994. They never expected it would be as bad trouble as it was, but that was a year you had a huge flip over of Democrats deciding they're finally going to start voting for Republicans at the state level. And, and it really began wiping out the Democratic Party in the South and the Midwest for a while. And it was 10% on the generic ballot. In 2010, the Republicans wound up being at 7% on the generic ballot, and they were able to pick up the House, not the Senate, but the House. Four years later, in 2014, the Republicans in the generic ballot were again about 10%, and they were able to pick up the House and the Senate. Now, go back to 2006. The Democrats got to 11% in the generic ballot. They took back the House and the Senate. The average of the generic ballot right now is 15% for the Democrats. A poll today has them at 18%. Those are horrific numbers for the GOP, not just at the federal level, but the state and local level. In the same way that 7 and 10% were for the Republicans or for the Democrats with the GOP. Remember, in 2010, the GOP didn't just take back the House with 10% up on the generic ballot. They took back state legislatures. They took back gubernatorial races. I mean, the Republicans are further ahead now than any time since the 1920s nationwide. The Democratic losses under Barack Obama were as bad as they were in the eight, late 1800s. And it looks like we're building that way for the GOP. And the GOP is not going to have a good year next year. And if these sexual assault, sexual harassment allegations come out, it's going to be worse. But, 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 there is hope. There are mitigating factors. And first and chief among the mitigating factors is tax reform. There is new news out this evening as I'm talking here. Comcast 
is another company that is coming out this evening saying it is going to give big bonuses to all of its employees because of the tax bill. They're not giving them to executives. They're giving them to the the lower-level employees in the company. The non-executive suite employees are all going to be getting big bonuses once the tax plan is passed. That is another company in this country doing that. All of this money going into pockets of those who ultimately are consumers is going to help. We'll be back. It is 56 after the hour. I just so happen to be Eric Erickson. Uh, coming to you from Nashville, please do text the word SHOW to 444 uh, for the Christmas presentation. And thank you for all of you who sent in recommended church music uh, from your various churches. A good bit of it will make it into the Christmas uh, presentation. Happy to say, um, it's always my pleasure this year to record it, and I will see you guys tomorrow. <laughs>